Hi, it's the Catholic Sportsman Show, and we're back on the air this week. How are you guys doing? Paul Michelini, what are you up to? Good, Jeff. Good to see you. It's been a few weeks. Yeah, we've been off for a few weeks, but there's been some exciting things that we've been doing and expanding our audience, and uh, uh, I'll give you all a rundown on that in a moment. Randy Leia. Randy, what are you? I'm here. It's good to see you, Paul and Jeff. It's good to be back once again. Great, great. Uh, We have a very special treat in tonight's Catholic Sportsman Show. We have a special guest tonight. uh, And I'll let Paul tell you more about our guest in a moment. Uh, But uh, stay tuned and listen. And I think you're going to enjoy a story about faith and sports uh, that... um, we've already been reading about and it's going to be exciting one thing to note i just want to let our viewers out there and listeners know that uh, we have expanded in our time off we have now uh, secured apple Podcasts as a home base for our podcast Uh, if you're listening through apple Podcasts, please like us and also give us a five-star review that will move us up the food chain in apple in addition we're available on soundcloud.com uh, our original podcast host podbean.com and uh also coming up we will be available on google podcasts so check us out there paul would you like to lead us in an opening prayer sure in the name of the father and of the son and to the holy spirit amen Dear Lord, we ask you to send the Holy Spirit down upon all of us today and our special guest, Spencer Swope, and um, just be with us. And we just offer up our whole show tonight to Our Lady, and we pray for her intercession. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and in the day of our death. Amen. Saint Sebastian, patron saint of athletes. Pray for us. Blessed Carlo Acutis, the technical patron saint of the Catholic Sportsman Show. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Spirit. Amen. amen. What will we do without Carlo? I know. Right. So our our special guest tonight is Spencer Swope, and he is from EWTN, and uh, he has an amazing story um, of his life that we'd love to share with everyone. And uh, Spencer is um, currently the Southern Regional Marketing Manager for EWTN, which we're all very familiar with and love and appreciate. He is married to Liz, and they have 11 children, and they live in Alabama. So welcome, Spencer. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it very much. Great to be with you guys this evening. All right. So we'll just uh, open it up for you and just, you know, we read about your story and it was just amazing. We'll just give you some time to lead us through the journey. Okay. Um, basically, I was born in a small town in northern Ohio. Of uh, My parents were middle class and I was the baby of five children. Um, nothing remarkable there. I became, uh, very interested in football when I was six years old and very interested in boxing when I was seven year old, seven years old. 
Uh, so much so that I even remember the date of the first fight I ever saw was February 16, 1970. I watched Smoking Joe Frazier fight a guy named, guy named Jimmy Ellis uh, in Madison Square Garden on that night and just fell in love with the sport. Don't know why. People say, why do you love boxing? Well, how, you know, how do you explain why you love something? Either you do or you don't. And I just fell in love with the sport. So I followed it. I was pretty much a boxing historian um, as, a, as a youngster. Um, and from that point on, I just got, uh, I, I wanted to learn more about boxing and got involved in amateur boxing and everything. Um, but a real hardship hit our family on a good Friday, 1973. I was 10 years old and my two oldest brothers uh, were killed in a car accident. And that really, you know, uh, our family did that, you know, put us on a different uh, trajectory, if you will. And I think my older brother, who was just, just under the older two, um, he took it the hardest and he started rebelling and uh, his behavior kind of got, he was very good in sports himself, um, but he was also a real partier and I kind of followed his example. Um, so when I got in, I started playing football when I was uh, sixth grade and between I do football, but I go back and forth football and boxing, but most of then my main sport was football. And, uh, but I was also, when I got seventh, eighth grade, I started partying just like my brother and uh, wasn't paying attention much in school. And got, I got through high school, graduated. I was quarterback of the football team. Um, I, had, I had some talent. I actually broke some records, some single, some single game passing records. Um, but nobody was taking me serious. First of all, I was sick. I was injured six out of the 10 games in my senior year. So I only played in four, but during those four games, I, I, I put up some pretty good numbers, but I really didn't have the scouts looking for me. So um, I really, I, I was, like I said, I was just a party guy. I didn't think much about going to college. Uh, the only reason I probably went to college was because of the girlfriend I had. I was, I was uh, dating a girl and her dad was a doctor and her brother was going to a college and South Carolina by the name of Wofford. Um, I thought about walking on the football team there, um, but they ran a veer offense, and I was a pro-style quarterback. I threw the ball like over 40 times a game. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, for high school, that was quite a bit, uh, especially in 1980, this was. Um, so I really, my freshman year, started partying a lot. Um, started smoking marijuana pretty much daily. Uh, missing classes, just uh, just just a low life. Uh, just didn't know what I was doing. Really, um, had no vision for myself. Um, wasn't stupid, I, but I just didn't care. And but after that freshman year, <laughs> it was like a light bulb finally went off in my head, and I realized, what am I going to do with my life? And so I decided I, I didn't have skills. I was never the type to, I, I didn't have any technical skills. I wasn't good at working on cars or doing any kind of a house, you know, home repair, that sort of thing. So I thought I better get back to school and I better pay attention. So I went to a different school up in uh, Western North Carolina called Brevard College. And I majored in psychology. I took school uh, very seriously then. Um, Ended up with like a 3.8 GPA, and uh, but I still was doing the partying, but just not to the same degree. I, you know, I had 
I finally learned a little bit of balance in my life. But then I went back down to Florida. I didn't. I skipped out where I, I, I grew up in Florida. We moved from Ohio when I was like seven to uh, to Florida. So that's where I really grew up and was doing the boxing and the football and everything. But uh, so I went back to Florida and got around some of my crazy uh, party friends. My plan was uh, to continue on with the education, but uh, instead I started wanting to make money, got in the insurance business. Um, I did well. I was at the age of 24. I had uh, my own secretary and six agents working under my supervision, but uh, I let success go to my head. And, uh, excuse me. And uh, from that point, uh, I just thought I, I, I took... I took success. I just thought it was just came naturally. I just didn't think too much about it. But so I really got into some party and uh, started actually using cocaine and uh, ended up actually dealing cocaine all at the same time. I was living a double life. I'm still running the insurance, um, doing all that, but just out of control partying. And uh, as always is the story here, uh, I came crashing down, um, ended up, I was going to move to New Orleans. That's a whole, (laughs) <laughs> that's a whole story why I was going to do that. Uh, but basically came to, I had another epiphany. Oh my gosh, what have I done with my life? And went to the only place I knew for refuge. I didn't really turn to God. I've always believed in God, always believed in God and always believed in the devil. And I knew they were playing tug of war with me. I knew it at the time. Um, but I found refuge by going up to my parents who were still living up in Western North Carolina. And thank God, um, my plan was to go there, to go there for, and live about two, live there a couple of weeks and then go back down to Florida. I was going to go to a different city and go sell cars. That was my grand plan. Um, thank God he had other plans for me because they owned a little restaurant, them along with my sister, owned a nice little uh, sub shop restaurant on a creek up there. And uh, somebody quit two days afterwards. It's a small restaurant. There's only five employees or four employees, and three of them are family, my family. So I wanted to help them out. So I'll help you out until you can find somebody. Well, that, that helping them out turned out to be about six years. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that, um, what I didn't tell you that I also, when I was in the insurance business, when I was starting, everything was spiraling out of control. I was also playing semi-pro football. And I was a partying. I was, you could find me on the sidelines smoking cigarettes and drinking a flask of whiskey. All right. So I went, uh, yeah. So the football thing didn't work out. Um, I, I was playing wide receiver for the semi-pro team. Uh, then I ended up on a wild drinking binge one night. I decided to go to New Orleans and I spent three days in New Orleans, came back and had an epiphany. What am I going to do with my life? And that's when I went to move up to, uh, to find my, the only refuge I knew of, which was my parents up in North Carolina. And I wanted to stay with them. And uh, they, they, my plan was to move back to uh, Florida after a couple of weeks. But in God's providence, um, we had, uh, they had somebody quit at the restaurant. And I wanted to help them out. So I decided I would help them until I could. And while I was up there, I just kind of had an epiphany that, uh, hey, I might as well I'm, I'm up here. I, I, not, I don't have any drug contacts or anything. I might as well get in shape. And uh, so I got in shape and I had a semi, or I had a, a professional, I had a tryout, a football tryout. They had some pro scouts there. Um, but unfortunately, I, or fortunately, <laughs> I um, 
hyperextended my knee on the second day there. Mm. And, and uh, so that took care of that. So, but I already had in the back of my mind that if I, if that didn't work out, I was going to get, I was going to live my childhood dream and get into pro boxing. I figured, mm. Hey, what the heck? I was 27 years old this time. I'd already made a mess of my life and this, I might as well do it. So I did. And I took the hard road. I trained myself. I didn't really have a, I didn't really have any one trainer or manager. I pretty much, I knew enough about the sport of boxing. I acted my own, was my own manager, which meant I had to take fights that I probably shouldn't have taken uh, with guys way over my head as far as experience. Um, so I had some, some rough fights there early on. Um, but then I also had a dramatic conversion experience. Um, I was kind of going up and down. When, you, when I went back to live with my parents in North Carolina, they're Catholic. And if one rule of my parents was that if you go, live in our house, you're going to Mass on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So I did. Unfortunately, I was a receiving communion unworthily. I didn't really know. I never really knew my faith. Um, but we were, we, were, we were good Catholics, and we went to Mass every Sunday in Holy Day of Obligation. Uh, but we really didn't live our lives, to, you know, at home that much. Um, but anyhow, so I went to mass and, and that was helping, um, for me, but, uh, the boxing, getting up at four thirty in the morning, doing road work, the discipline it takes to do that, um, really drew me to God. I felt God was pulling me through that, that discipline and going to mass and everything, but I would go up and down. I'd go on some drinking binges, binges once in a while, um, and even and even did cocaine one for one more time. But even when I did it that one more time, I knew that was it. I knew in my heart that I would never do that again. I don't know why. And about three months after that, um, I started I started just asking questions and thinking about things about God. And uh, I was it was Easter Sunday the night before. I went out partying. And I got, I drank too much and was too hung over to make it to mass on Easter Sunday. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. And I found myself the following Sunday, not knowing it was called divine mercy Sunday and (laughs) committing myself 100%. I just said very simply, Jesus from this day forward, I live for you. And I've never looked back and God is blessed me so abundantly since um but one one thing i I was through my conversion i was hanging around these my friends were some southern baptists i'd met these new people in my life at uh and so i was going to their uh service and their bible study but i was still going to mass on sunday mornings but i go to theirs too but in god's providence he had this catholic couple that owned the church camp up there in west north carolina and uh, they put these books and tapes in my hand, uh, Scott Hahn books, uh, one of them Surprised by Truth, Protestants that converted over. And it all made perfect sense to me, and I just couldn't get enough of it. I finally read uh, Rome Sweet Home from Scott and Kimberly Hahn. And I started reading that around 10 or 11 o'clock one night, and, didn't, didn't, and it finished around 5 or 6 in the morning. And I was hooked. Wow. Picked up my rosary, and I never looked back. And... From that point, I uh, ended up uh, in Virginia, where I met my wife. I ended up there because I was actually engaged to another young lady uh, so that was going to Christendom College. And I was engaged to her after my conversion and everything. 
great Catholic girl. But when I got up there, we both started discerning a religious vocation. Oh, wow. And <laughs> we, decided, we both decided we, d we weren't called to religious life, and we also decided we weren't meant for each other. We loved each other, but I would have drove her crazy, and she would have drove me crazy. <laughs> we, we just knew it. And it, was, it was mutual. So we, uh, so we, we, we broke that off, which was great. And that was, for me, that was so unique. Wow, this Christian thing is really cool. I mean, she's still my friend. And, you know, that was just so mind-boggling to me because that wasn't from anything I'd ever experienced before. Mm -hmm. So I met my wife-to-be, and, uh, and I just knew from the first time I met her, I'd, she was the one. And uh, we both wanted to be able, we're both the baby of five, and we both won large families. Um, I fell in love with homeschooling when I was up there in that uh, environment, large Catholic families. I just really fell in love with uh, the whole um, way, um, the beauty of homeschool children I, I saw. And uh, next thing I know, we're, you know, we're starting to, we get married and we have one baby after another. So <laughs> we are almost 22 years into our marriage right. and we have 11 wonderful children and, uh, God has blessed me so much. I work for EWTN now for almost a little over 20 years now. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hey, Spencer, you have something in common with Philip Rivers, right? <laughs> yes. I, I think of that often when I see Philip on the, yeah, I think he has nine now, I believe. Nine, right, right. <laughs> and he moved, he moved back into your area, right? I believe you brought his family from Los Angeles. And well, I, I heard he'd moved to Florida. Yeah, I think he's moved. I think he's in Florida. Um, I do know that after his football days were over, he's going to become head coach at a Catholic high school down in Fairhope, Alabama. I heard that. Uh, yeah. Your turn, Randy. I was going to ask you. You said that you were working out and and you had some discipline to work out. I was wondering if you found any any similarities between your discipline with staying physically fit to maintaining a disciplined spiritual life. Yes, no doubt, Randy. Uh, 100%. If I find myself slipping on the physical discipline, I find myself slipping in some of the, in, in the spiritual life. I, I'm, I'm very German. I'm a little neurotic when it comes to everything. I, I, I have to do my morning prayers. I mean, I do everything very, systematic and i think i got that from my uh from the the discipline from the sports um and if i find myself you know not working out i find myself laxing in, in the spiritual life and vice versa if i'm not praying as much i find myself just kind of getting you know a little bit lazy but uh fortunately um i've been through that cycle enough i recognize it pretty early on and try to whip myself in shape. I'm 57 now and I still try to, mostly I just do a lot of walking. I still, still try to do at least one boxing workout a week. Um, you know, throw out, and I get play football with my boys, but I, I have a bad knee that's not, uh, not cooperating so much with that these days, but uh, age is starting to catch up. It's amazing though, you're still, I mean, we're all, we're, you and I are about the same age and it's awesome you're still doing the boxing workout. I love it. I don't know how much more my back and my back is. I'm starting to have some trouble with that because you got to to definitely to throw the left hook to the body. There's a lot of twisting in there. And my back is starting not to like that too much, but I will always, I always plan to do that at some, 
I just think it's a great workout. It, it just, I just love it. And it also, it helps, uh, you know, especially during these crazy times we're living in, we, you know, a little bit of anxiety and uh, get out there and rip the heavy bag uh, takes a lot of that out of you. So it, it feels great. I feel much more docile after, uh, after doing that workout for sure. Yeah. Cause we're, we're spiritual, mental, you know, physical aspects of our lives. And that spiritual aspect helps us relax and be more aware of prayer. Like you said, no doubt, no doubt. And like I said, many long runs out on the, on the road in the dark with the birds chirping, uh, brought me closer to God and I had a lot of that, that. That was how God really was pulling me in. It was through boxing. Now I'll tell you also a little bit of a funny story. My conversion happened right in the middle of my boxing career. And so I had to ask myself, is this okay? Is professional boxing, is this okay with you, God, you know? And I, I really felt kind of strange because I know I, I've witnessed personally watched fights and ended up with one fighter dying or seriously disabled. Wow. And just the nature of that sport. So I really pretty much discerned I shouldn't be doing this. I had a couple more fights after my conversion. But what I did try to do was I put uh, messages in my boxing trunk. That I had uh, Jesus Christ on the back, back two legs, Jesus on one and Christ on the other. And then a uh, cross on one of the legs and the other one, um, scripture passage, I did not come for the, it was Luke 532, I believe, and which is, I did not come for the righteous, but for the sinners. And I thought being in a boxing arena might be appropriate for that. And that somebody <laughs> 532 and go get a Bible or something, look it up. And uh, I thought that might have a good meaning. So, but what I also did on my mouthpiece, I put Jesus on my mouthpiece. <laughs> and, uh, oh my gosh. <laughs> I thought maybe I'd kind of hesitate. The, the, my opponent might not want to hit me, but it didn't work. You, they were still trying to hit me. <laughs> didn't so stop them. I was trying to do my best to, uh, to evangelize out there. Right. <laughs> That's great. But at least we try to get a message out, right? We all do our little evangelization, right? You never know. You never know. I, I had come from a dark past and uh, you just never know when, uh, how God's going to work through that. So I wanted right. to at least try to try to be that example in that environment. Right. Yeah. You know, um, in your story, uh, I'm certainly sorry about the loss of your brothers, but it's interesting how you were talking about your brothers passed away in Good Friday. You had that experience on Easter Sunday where you couldn't go to church. And then you had that you know, powerful experience on Divine Mercy Sunday. How does that whole eight days mean to you? Is It must be just an incredible eight days every year. It is. It is. It is, Paul. Um, that when I enter into Holy Week, it's just this really special, special time. Um, I tried my, I tried to really, really fast hard during the week and really, really try my best to um, cooperate with what, duplicate with what trying Jesus was doing is, you know, in my simple way, just, you know, by fasting and, and praying. Um, but the glory of Easter is just incredible. And then for Divine Mercy Sunday, it was, it was 25 years this year since my conversion. And I mean, I, I pretty emotional on that day, I gotta tell you. 
Yeah, I bet you have some. Go ahead. Yeah, I bet you have special sharing you can relate to people on that that day and express. It's it's such a powerful day for all of us as Catholics and a special day for you. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's awesome. Incredible. And this year was really, I mean, just when it dawned me, it's 25 years. It was just really, it's always special, but this year was even, even more so. Yeah, absolutely. So you'd mentioned earlier, um, you're a quarterback and when you're a quarterback, you got to be a leader, right? You got to lead the team. They're looking towards you. How did that prepare you for being the spiritual leader of the family? Um, good question. Um, to be honest with you, Paul, I don't know how much because the quarterback I was back then, I was in it for myself. I was in it for our team was not very good. <laughs> our, our offensive line, basically the defensive linemen were coming to rush me as I was dropping back to pass. They, they were, it was almost like I didn't have one offensive line. So, um, but I was still able to get rid of the ball and get some completions. Um, we weren't very good, so I didn't have that much of a team concept. So, um, but it did make me tough. I mean, I was, I always said I took a worse beating in football than I ever did in boxing. And a lot of truth in that. I remember one, one game in particular, I threw the ball 49 times, got knocked down 46 times, but only got sacked once. Um, <clears throat> so I was kind of proud of that accomplishment. Um, but as far as being a spiritual, how it, you know, translated into a, to be a spiritual leader, um, just having to be, be the leader out there, calling the, you know, calling the shots and everything. And that's put me in this position. Just, it's just the discipline, I think, um, from being a sports leader, the analogy does apply spiritually to keep everybody on track and make sure we're, you know, I, like I said, I'm very German and very neurotic as far as uh, we got to get our prayers in you know, a rosary and evening, make it to some daily masses. We used to make it to daily masses every day. Unfortunately, we haven't just with the homeschooling and it just, uh, and I do travel a lot when the pandemic uh, not was not going. I would I travel a lot until the pandemic hit. Let's put it like that. So right. it had coming and going. It was hard for my wife to make it, but we try to make it to as many daily masses as possible and uh, just live just live a good spiritual life. And uh, and I do attribute a lot of that to just my sports, whether it was me being a quarterback or just uh, the discipline uh, to get in shape for a, a boxing match was really uh, that really is a grind. So. Uh, that translates, it translates over for sure. Yeah. Oh, think, oh, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead, Jeff. Oh, yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, Spencer, um, in light of your uh, journey, what advice can you give to men, maybe as you were younger, who are battling with addictions? What kind of advice can you give them to come back to God? What do you have... Uh, well, if they, hopefully if they believe there's a God, I would strongly encourage them to deepen that relationship and ask to tell them to ask God to bring them into his presence and to trust him. If they don't believe that God, that there's a God, to test test them, say, you know, in, in whatever way they want to do, but say, God, I don't know if you're real, but if, but I need you and show me, you know, show me some way. God will do it in some way. Um, but I would also tell them 
that just because God is in your life doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect. Um, the devil had you down. He wants to keep you down. And you take it one day at a time. If you fall, that's all right. You get back up. You're Catholic. You go to confession. And you get back on the right track. Um, it's, it's not how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you get back up. Mm-hmm. We got to finish the race. And that's... Uh, got to finish the race in the the right spot in order to make it to the right place when we're done with our earthly sojourn. So. Right. And and when, when things come up, you know, um, in life, as, as I'm learning too, with my wife, she says, you're the spiritual leader. You need to guide us in prayer. What's the family prayer that you like to like, okay, the, maybe the, some news comes in, we're going to pray. What do you like to do as a family? Like you said, if something comes up where it's like an emergency prayer. Yeah, like some emergency, like, you know, hey, we all need to get together and let's pray. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the occasion, trusting, trying to trust the Holy Spirit to guide me. Um, I'm a big lover of Mary and St. Joseph. Um, so I turn to, you know, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph is a big prayer of mine. Um, just Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, I love you. Please save souls. Uh, St. Gertrude prayer is one of my favorites, uh, prayer for souls. Um, I have a, my middle name is Jude. So I have a devotion to St. Jude. Um, some of those Jesus, I trust in you just mm. Jesus, especially mm. when, you know, things are kind of shaky when you have 11 kids and only one income. <laughs> we don't have all our wants. We have all our needs, but not all our wants. And sometimes it gets a little hairy trying to, provide so uh, but i just god's always you know i just look back he's always taking care of us so but if you know if there's somebody like emergency uh prayer request um i probably would just say hey hey family let's get together and pray our father hail mary and glory be something like that yeah depending on the circumstance yeah it's such a powerful image for children too right to see their father and leading them in that prayer so yeah. and it sounds like you're really big uh, proponents of homeschooling you just really like that and it's great for your family i do i'm not i'm not uh i don't have anything against a good catholic school um that's great because not everybody can homeschool and i understand that for us it was a good fit i think um i think you're battling so many outside influences in this world worldly influences and uh we're no different i mean we're you know we have computers in our home so kids are there's technology and you have to fight that with the boys with, with all the kids, but uh, you have to make sure you have all your filters on and everything else. But, uh, but the peer pressure out there, I mean, if I look back and think what really brought me down, um, one, I made my own choices and I followed my brother's bad example. I love my brother and he turned out pretty good too. But uh, if I look back, it was probably peer pressure that I caved into it. And it's so tempting for kids to do that these days, you know, to, especially if another kid's a little bit older or something, they're trying to impress them and they're, they might, you know, as great a upbringing that we might have given them um, is, you know, with trying my way, my wife and I are trying to raise them. You just never know if they're outside the house and, and, and we're going to have to let them go at some point. Anyhow, we're, we've experienced that our three oldest are out of the house. I just sent my, my oldest boy off to the Marines um, to boot camp a few weeks ago. So, uh, um, so, you just never, you're going to have to let them go. But uh, I think uh, give them a good, strong foundation at home is, is worth it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for your son's service on this Veterans Day. Yes, thank you. Thank you.
He's actually in a hotel in Atlanta right now in quarantine because oh, of the COVID. So they have to go there for 14 days. Can't leave the room. He's got a roommate there and uh, the meals are brought in. He can't leave the room. So all he's doing is PT. I mean, just doing physical training there in the, you know, inside a room and that's it. And they try to, keep it. so he's probably, if anything, nobody really is going to be looking forward to boot camp. You know, it's something you have to do. But I have a feeling just getting outside of a small room and out running and everything might be kind of a nice change of pace for him. But he'll have to get used to a drill instructor in his ear 24-7. Yeah. He'll get, he'll get used to that running, that's for sure, right? Yes. Yep. <laughs> Great. Right. I, I had a question. This is more of a humorous question that I was just thinking about your experiences as a quarterback and as a professional or a boxer. And I wanted to pose a scenario to you. My question is, if you could be a famous professional boxer or a standout NFL quarterback, which one would you choose? <laughs> well, I love both sports so much and probably if it didn't have to, if God was not in the equation, I would probably say boxer, a champ, you know, championship boxer. But since God is in the equation, I would say the quarterback, the uh, NFL quarterback, because of the platform I would have then to evangelize. Right. Because yeah. people are watching football, boxing is not that popular of a sport anymore. Right. Um, so I think I'd have a greater platform to try to evangelize. And uh, so I would pick that. Um, but I loved them both as a kid. I, I can tell you a story, and I don't know why I was attracted to this, but I, I remember seeing Joe Willie Namath on the sideline in a fur coat. Um, he was injured. He had bad knees and with his sunglasses on. And for some reason, I thought, I want to be that. <laughs> I don't <laughs> don't know why um but i also wanted to be a boxer and uh so but but i would say i'd probably have to go with the nfl quarterback just because of the platform i could uh i could have at that point good yeah, All right. yeah. i was gonna say and you can have a lot of money that way too <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah they do make a lot of money these yeah. days so probably more not to but, say a boxer doesn't but i think you you're, you're on TV yeah, a lot more often. Have to be at the very top of your game in the boxing world to make that kind of money. It pretty much almost in the heavyweight division, really. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we have a few quarterbacks that are faithful Catholics. I mean, even uh, 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 Tom Brady is another example. So they're they're in the league, and you know, uh, um, I know he was he was actually a convert to the faith, from what I yeah. understand. But uh, um, so yeah, as, as a quarterback and a leader of a team, you certainly would have a, a good platform to, per, to spread the faith. No doubt. Well, Philip, Philip Rivers example of nine children. Yes. Um, I'm sure many in the sports world, are just like, <laughs> why in the world would you have nine children? Yeah. And <laughs> with 11, I can tell you it's not easy. I would never change anything, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Not easy. <laughs> That's for sure. 
Yeah. Well, you outscored him by uh, one free yeah, throw or two free throws. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, actually, I actually met Joe Lombardi, who is the grandson of Vince yeah. Lombardi. Oh, wow. A, he's the quarterback's coach for the New Orleans Saints. And I met him at a Catholic conference in Orlando a few years ago, and we had a conversation. I think he, I think he had seven or eight or something like that, and I think at the time we had ten. And uh, we had this, you know, kind of running joke. Oh, I got more than you guys. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so well, I really like Philip Rivers when he held his child, his youngest child, at his press conference last year. Yes. That was so beautiful. It was. I love it. I love it. He's, he's a true family man. Great guy. And one heck of a competitor. Yeah. Philip Rivers yeah. is one heck of a competitor. Never says, never says any, uh, any bad language. But – he will, all, but he uses lots of colorful language of his own. That's great. <laughs> great guy, though. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to ask you, um, getting back to your what you were talking about in your opening about hitting right bottom. Do you think that helped with your relationship with God? Well, it definitely did. Um, when. My rock bottom probably is when I was out in New Orleans and I, I went out there and was just on a really a binge of drinking and drugs and everything. And I can remember being in Jackson Square. I don't know if you all are familiar with New Orleans and the French Quarter and all that, but I was in Jackson Square and I don't remember what was going on with me, but I remember looking to the heavens and yelling at God and Satan and saying, neither one of you can have me. I don't really know what was going on. I was high on cocaine. And for me, that was pretty much rock bottom. I had to, I had gone out to New Orleans with a couple thousand dollars in my pocket, and I think I ended up with like 50. And I had, no, I mean, I was pretty much at that point homeless. I didn't have a job to go back to. I had left my, the insurance job um, in not so good way. Um, so I had nowhere to go, and that's when I headed up to my parents' house. Um, so that was rock bottom. And yes, I wouldn't say I turned to God. I turned to my parents, which led me to God. Um, and it led me there, And that, but, but that was October of 90, and I was kind of going through these mini conversions, if you will, but I was going up and down. I didn't have in, and then finally in April of, of two, uh, uh, 95 is when I finally uh, made the big made the big yes. Hmm. It was all his at that point. Thank God for that. Amen. Amen, Randy. Just just bombarded by the Holy Spirit on your journey. Yeah, I'm just yeah. I I can't even explain some things, but it just uh, the Holy Spirit was definitely guiding me. Um, I wasn't even in a state of grace, but. Uh, Still is nudging me along. So, all thanks be to God. Yes, indeed. And Randy, did you have another question about sports too? You wanted to ask about his children's faith. Well, I just wanted to, to ask you about how do you do it with your 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 wife and your job, and and you have eleven kids, and you, you're <laughs> able to work out. How do you do it all? <laughs> God's grace in one day at a time, sometimes one hour at a time. Mm 
uh, it's, it's like I said, it's not easy. Um, and I have a great wife. Um, she's doing most of the homeschooling. I do try to when I'm home, which I've been home a lot for the last eight months, uh, with the <laughs> pandemic, but, uh, I do help out with a little, with some of the math, with some of the smaller kids. Um, but it's just, it's hard. Um, but I try to instill in the children, um, good with, with sports and everything, good discipline, the same way I do with the spiritual. I try to make those analogies for them and they see it. And my wife can tell you, um, I, everything pretty much in my life is a sports analogy. So, <laughs> so, um, and sometimes I'm a little bit too, I've learned to be, you know, hey, you know, offer it up and, and no pain, no gain. And, and my wife's kind of softened me up through the years that <laughs> I, I, I get a little overboard. So we're a good team. She keeps me balanced in that. Spencer, uh, I was interested in your position with WTEWTN. It's kind of a missionary position. Uh, a role as a marketing uh, representative. Can you tell us about how you're, you know, kind of spreading the word, I take it, from what I read of EWTN? Well, yeah, like like um, Paul said, my title is I'm the Southern Regional Marketing Manager. So what I what I do is I, oversee, I try to develop relationships and keep relationships good with the dioceses within my region. So I have 11 states and 37 dioceses. And I try to keep relations good with communications directors at each diocese and show them some of the resources we have, some of the ways that we can work together. Uh, say if they have a new bishop coming in that we can do uh, uh, film the do, do cover, you know, cover that their um, ordination. Um, I work, I visit the cable companies, keep the relationship good with the cable companies that are carrying us. I go to Catholic conferences and try and have a table and, you know, hand, meet people, tell them about EWTN. Most of the people that already know about EWTN, that's why they're there. They're pretty much devout Catholics. But then try to get them involved in what we call our media missionary program, which is just simply somebody that's volunteered to, to tell others about EWTN. And that's by whether it could be putting materials out in the parish or they're the RCIA leader, maybe mentioning us in through that, or social media is a huge way to share word of mouth, where, you know, however you really want are comfortable doing that. And also uh, meet with our radio affiliates. We have radio affiliates all throughout my region, you know, throughout the United States. Um, matter of fact, I just did an interview um, a couple of weeks back with Iowa Catholic Radio, uh, uh, John Leonetti. He's a great guy. And uh, so that's what I do. Um, I'm out on the road a lot, about a third of the month when, uh, when COVID's not happening. So, and that's all for <laughs> And soon. Yeah. Well, I just want to praise God. We appreciate your mission that you're doing because it is vital that Catholic media gets spread uh, uh, to the rest of the world and, uh, and in America. So I, I, I praise you for that. Yeah, I can't tell you how many testimonies we get every day from oh, people bet. that thank us for what we do, how life-changing we've been, and especially since the pandemic, we've, it's, we've got a lot of new viewers and listeners because of the pandemic. We, you know, they didn't have masks to go to and they found us and they fell in love with us and they've started learning all about our programming and everything. So we have a whole new wave of uh, viewers and listeners just because of, uh, because of the pandemic. So God can bring a greater, greater good out of this tragedy too. 
EWTN, it's everywhere. <laughs> Amen. So, it right. If you're out in Christ Cathedral, when travel uh, kicks back up again, let us know. Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah, the media missionaries gave my wife and I a tour of the studio, so it was really cool to see that. You mentioned that, Paul. That, that's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. And my colleague, Monica, is out there. I think you might got to meet Monica. And she, yeah. yeah. That was great. great. Yeah. Cool. So, you know, we'd like to give you an opportunity at the end here to maybe share any encouraging message to men, uh, fathers, or people who want to exercise more or get involved in sports. What would you say to encourage them and to, to get, get well, them back out there on the field and do something? Yeah. Don't give up on yourself, men. I would say just don't give up on yourself. Take it one day at a time. When you get older, it's not easy to stay in shape but you can do it. You just got to start out with baby steps. You don't have to go to the gym and just get up and, and do some quick burst workouts, you know, and start, start with a prayer. Start out with a prayer. God, God give me the strength to, to be the man I need to be for my family. Uh, family is counting on men these days. Your wives are counting on you. The devil is trying to bring you down. That's why, you know, uh, you see commercials on TV. They're trying to uh, glamorize uh, the guys out drinking in the bar and everything and try to make men look like buffoons when men are supposed to be the spiritual head of the family and be that rock. And, uh, just one day at a time, guys, keep the faith, keep fighting and you'll get through this. All right. Awesome. Spencer, thanks so much for coming on. This is thank you awesome. guys. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Been a real honor. We'll close in our prayer. Uh, we'll have Randy lead us in a closing prayer. Okay, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Lord, we thank you so much for our guest, Spencer. We thank, we thank you for him sharing his witness. We pray for those who are listening to our Catholic Sportsmen Show podcast, that they are lifted up by his words, in that they and we are every day drawn closer to you and closer to your spirit. And as always, we pray for the all of this through the intercession of Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary Mother, Mother of God, God, pray for us sinners, sinners now, now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Great. Thanks again, Spencer. Thank, Thank you, Spencer. Thank you, guys. It was great. Yeah. It was a pleasure to see you. You too. Okay. Yeah, God thank bless you very you. much. God, God bless, bless you, and uh, we'll get the link to you. And if you can help spread the word of our show, we'd appreciate it. I and promise you that I will. Okay, we'll, we'll look forward to that. And, okay. uh, we are very blessed to have you tonight. Thank you very thank much. Thank you. I feel the blessings mine. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. So your family, thank you too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for your time. <laughs> You're staying up kind of late tonight, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> It's going to be 8.30 here. Okay. It's going to be night in the swoop house over the night. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay.